This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome to Talking TV, I'm Jake Cantor. On the show this week, is BBC One too predictable? Is BBC Three ill-prepared for a move online? We run the rule over the BBC Trust Television Services Review. Also on the agenda, we'll assess if Sky's investment in Great British Bake Off indie Love Productions is a recipe for success. And finally, we have reviews of Our World War, BBC Three's contribution to the First World War centenary commemorations, and ITV daytime show The Speakmans. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. Aboard the Good Ship Talking TV this week is Stephen D. Wright, uh, entertainment producer and broadcast columnist. How's tricks? Good. I'm still recovering from the Commonwealth opening ceremony last night. I hoots man, as John Barrowman may see have it. said. Google it. Was there a gay kiss? That was, there was that a gay was kiss, which about. felt a bit, but you know, supposedly politically it's very powerful. But John Barrowman's Scottish accent was the cringe tastic kind of quality <laughs> that I took away from with it. Uh, also with us is broadcast editor Chris Curtis. Uh, this is actually our birthday edition. Yeah, we're one yeah, year we're old. We're one pl- year old, yeah. yeah. It's gone uh, quickly, hasn't it? How have you felt about joining us on uh, on this journey, Stephen? Well, there's no cake, is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about cake later when, okay. we, when we get to the Great British Bake Off and Love oh, Productions. Yeah. Uh, but before that, should we kick off with something slightly different? Uh, first up this week, a major television services review, uh, swinging newsroom job cuts and a 132-page annual report. Yep, it was another quiet week uh, for the BBC. Uh, for now, we'll focus on the BBC Trust review of BBC One, BBC Two, Three and Four. Although a broadly positive affair, there was, of course, some must-do better notes from the governing body, not least for BBC One, which was criticised for playing it safe and relying on ageing shows such as EastEnders and Antiques Roadshow. BBC Three didn't escape the sharp tongue of the Trust either. In the context of its prospective move to iPlayer, it has yet to establish itself as an online destination, according to the governing body. The youth channel is also said to be lagging behind rivals such as YouTube and Netflix. All of this and the BBC's annual report on Monday revealed that audience appreciation scores for all of the main channels deteriorated in the 12 months to the end of March 2014. What do you reckon, Stephen? BBC One too predictable? It is. I haven't bought into the kind of the one show followed by Casualty, followed by Mrs. Brown's Boys or whatever, which seems to be the kind of default pattern. And so looking at this sort of uh, report, you know, I, I don't want to come on here every week and slag off the BBC, but you think that they have a point. <laughs> Feels it, like that at the moment, it does, doesn't it? We don't know, exactly. <laughs> but that's the BBC's job sometimes. I mean, you, you know when they're doing well because it moves to Channel 4, then we all kick them. But no, BBC One is quite safe. It is quite middle England. I noticed that the report compared it to ITV. And that I thought was very interesting because ITV has a de- a definitely got a different feel, particularly on something like Saturday nights. I mean, Strictly is a, is brilliant, but it's a world of kind of middle class kind of world, whereas the X Factor, Take Me Out, whatever, those they feel quite working class. And the BBC doesn't seem to have that sort of different in, in tone. I mean, I hate watching Country File on a, <laughs> on a Sunday night. That isn't a Sunday night show. Seven million people might disagree with you, though. <laughs> but that's because there's nothing else on. I mean, yeah. I've, I've watched it. It's not a bad show. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually a really good show. But to me, Sunday night used to be different. It used to be, feel different. It used to feel more like a treat. Country File feels like a sort of Wednesday night kind of consumery. It's like Watchdog. Watchdog's not entertainment to it me. It does feel a bit lectury whenever I see it. Well, you know, it, but the thing is, it's, you know, will Charlotte Moore bring in a new 
because it always takes forever when a controller comes in and changes it. It's always 18 months of a sort of a jet lag, whatever it is, to change the, the world. So she probably is doing something because she is a different beast entirely. She comes from a quite factual, uh, she's quite smart. She's got, you know, the, that's slightly more risk-taking is what I would like. Slightly more diversity, and I don't mean diversity in you know, ethnicity. I think the BBC covers that very well, but it's that sort of class tone, um, you know, and not so much long runningness. I mean, it's obviously this is schedulers versus the audience. You know, the audience wants uh, new things every day. The schedulers don't want to take risks every day. So this is this is the argument. What do you reckon about Charlotte Moore, Chris? I think she got the chops to to to, to change it. Sure, I, undoubtedly, but we're yet to. It doesn't feel like Charlotte Moore's BBC One yet. I just yeah. Think I mean, Steve, she's been in the job a year now. She has. I just think it takes longer than that. To be honest, I just think it takes longer than that. I mean, the the big sort of axing decision is Waterloo Road that we've taken. We're yet to really see what's going to what's gonna replace that. I mean, there is a suggestion that they'll just look for a broadly similar uh, young skewing drama to play in the in the same kind of slot. So um, that wouldn't necessarily change the tone or the diversity, um, as Stephen puts it, of the, of, the, of the channel. The big thing with Charlotte we kind of were all hoping for was a bit of a turn of the wheel on factual, um, playing some more factual at nine o'clock, some innovation there. There have been a few little bits and pieces of sort of slightly, slightly odd shows. You know, the, the, the kind of um, the Del Boy. Uh, I can't remember what it was Del called. Del Boys and Dealers. Del Boys and Dealers played didn't they, in, in, in prime time BBC One. Um, but we, what we haven't seen yet is any really big new, either sort of slightly formatted factual or a really high profile. Um, Some of that is co- is coming, isn't it? I, I think mean, we've so. Got Waterwall's the gift, which yep. is the sort of long lost family spin off, and then she's got these two big access documentaries coming up, which is the Metropolitan Police, which mm. I don't think is going to be delivered until well into next year. KFC, mm-hmm. another one which I'm sure they've got high hopes for. Well, there's um, KFC, isn't there? Which and um, there's another one that we're chasing at the moment to try and, which is a, yes. a similar sort of um, access piece. Uh, access piece in a traditionally sort of working class kind of environment, um, which we haven't quite been able to nail down yet. But so I think what we're seeing with UC One is that they're on the brink of some of these more obviously Charlotte Moore shows coming through, and then we will see how they get on. Drama's in pretty good good shape i mean these accusations of being too predictable playing it safe have been met with uh the defense of uh, shows like um you know happy valley mm. uh i mean happy valley common as well which is a jimmy mcgovern yeah i mean happy, happy valley common you know these these are worth the license fee alone so they kind of you know but but that's but you know four hours of telly a, a month or whatever isn't the rest of it and I think that's the problem. Those those dramas are like pure gold. What I sort of dislike, and I think the trust is implying, is is more that sort of seven to nine kind of wall to wall the same every night type thing. So uh, the dramas are brilliant. The documentaries are brilliant. It's sort of I don't know. It's a kind of featuresy entertainmenty mix that seems to be very samey. You know. Um, I mean, it's. You know, it's, it, it, it just it just feels a bit dull. That's the thing. You know, I mean, they're not bad shows. It's just you don't want to watch the same thing every day. It's like eating the same thing every day for dinner. You know, you start off loving it and you end up going, oh, 
Chris? I think there's a feeling in the drama community that BBC One could be a little bit tougher, a little bit harder-edged on, on drama. I think if you look at some of the stuff that's played on 2, that's given BBC Two the, the sort of real reputation for being a great, you know, the, I mean, the full, I guess, the, the subject matter there's difficult to play on one, the full line of duty. Is that the kind of thing that you could see moving across to BBC One, you know, following Bake Off, something like that? Absolutely. I think there is a feeling that BBC One drama could be a little bit tougher, a little bit harder, but, um, yeah, I think overall you'd say that over the, over the last few years, when it, when it was Danny um, and now it's Charlotte and, and Ben Stevenson's been a pretty successful combination. And what about the BBC Three question? Not it, ready? Of course BBC, isn't, BBC Three isn't ready because it hasn't been set up to be, to, to be ready. And the, we know that decision was made and slightly sort of pulled the rug from under the, the, the station. Um Criticising BBC Three for not being as good as YouTube is, you know, seems a, a bit obvious, a little it? bit harsh. But we're expecting the proposals. Um, there's a piece in broadcast this week. The, the the proposals around what BBC Three Online will look like should be submitted to the trust in the next couple of weeks, um, and then the trust will spend six months, we think, um, deliber- deliberating, trying to work out what what it what its take on it is. But there's a lot of work for the BBC to do on that. They know that they're not they're not naive. Just finally, Stephen. Um, I mean, it was revealed in the annual report this week that, yeah, there's been budget cuts across all of the major channels and that has uh, coincided with the fall in appreciation scores. I mean, do you think that's a, that's a concerning trend for the BBC? I mean, it, yeah, they're I mean, clearly going to have to continue making cuts and know, if they people, get a bad licence well, fee deal, that's To me, I always think the BBC is a bloated you know, beast because it tries to do everything at once. And, um, you know, I, I still think that, that concentrating on programme making is the most important thing and that's... that's all it really comes back down to. I don't care about the World Service, for example. I don't care about, you know, online particularly. I watch telly. You know, I'm quite old-fashioned in that. So the telly has to be the best in the world. The BBC is that incredible beast that can do anything. And BBC One should take more risks. BBC Three is brilliant. You know, the way I read that uh, report is that that's the opening salvo in the say, we'll save BBC thing, BBC Three. You know, that BBC Three isn't an online proposition. That seems to be a political... Mm. Um, what well, I mean, what's been clear from this week, I think, is that the decision to move BBC Three online isn't a fait accompli. Well, it's it's so. going to be tough yeah. to get this past. Oh, no, trust, no. I, I mean, think. I think if they if they put it to the vote, you know, I think the public would be, would be you know, burning placards outside Broadcasting House tomorrow. You know, we love BBC Three. BBC Three is brilliant. And the idea that that has to be pushed into online when nobody really wants it still kind of sticks in my throat. Okay. well, we'll talk a bit more about BBC Three later when we uh, assess one of the shows coming up. Uh, But also on the agenda this week, Sky has taken a 70% stake in Love Productions, meaning Rupert Murdoch's pay TV giant effectively owns one of the BBC's biggest shows in the shape of the Great British Bake Off. The deal, which will value Love at more than £40 million if it hits performance targets over the next five years, may be the first of many Sky indie acquisitions as it bids to bolster its international arm Sky Vision. Chris, you broke this story. This is a, this is a good deal, isn't it? Do you think for for Sky? I think it's really interesting that Sky's getting into the content game. Basically, what we've seen over the well since the start of 2014, really, is that if you'll pardon the horrible cliche, content is king again. There was a there was a period a little while ago where everyone was going platform. You know, it was all about platforms. It was all about online delivery or being a you know being a satellite provider or a cable provider. You know, Netflix, a great, great platform. What have Netflix done? Invested really heavily in, in, in sort of original content. You've got Discovery and Liberty Global buying uh, all three media. It feels as though content is the, the sexy area again. 
and um, Sky is looking at its business model and thinking that it wants to be part of that. It wants to own IP um, and it wants to make sure that Sky Vision, which thus far has been relatively quiet because, for you know, for obvious reasons, most of the production community is tied up with super indie distributors uh, or BBC Worldwide, you know, having stakes in people. So uh, that they need to bolster Sky Vision. And this is the first sort of opening salvo in that strategy. This has been on the cards for a little while, hasn't it, Stephen, in, in terms of love potentially selling? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there are, what's the word, a great little indie, you know, that hasn't been owned by anybody else. And they, they, they're producing hits, brands that are worth money. So it's pretty obvious somebody would snap them up sooner or later. It's just that I feel as jealous as you can be with, when sitting on the outside looking in at them, you know, drinking champagne and burning cigars with their uh, £50 notes, you know, so I'm not jealous in the slightest, but good luck to them. But more problems for the BBC in terms of... But really? Know, why? It, it, the, fact that, I, I, the fact that Love will now become a non-qualifying indie, which is, of course, why they're they're proposing this massive shake-up of quotas and, and liberating in-house producers. I mean, yeah, I think this whole thing about who owns what, and it doesn't really matter. Is the programme any good? Is the, is the basic? It's, it's really simple in te- telly terms. You know, will The Great British Bake Off still be a good show? Yes, it will. Who cares who owns it? And ultimately, the BBC has to work like that because that's more important than whether or not you know, there's a Sky logo at the, the end or anything like that. It, it really doesn't matter, I don't think, but then I'm possibly But if the, quote, the way the quotas are set up prevents commissioners from uh, ordering the best ideas, then that is affecting what's on screen. Yeah, but haven't we already decided these quotas are, are being disregarded <laughs> left, are. right and centre? I, I think that the, you know, what everyone wants as a consumer, what we all want as viewers and as licence fee payers is the best content that can, you, you can possibly get on the BBC. That's great. There is a sticking issue and I think it's going to come into um, greater focus for particularly the BBC and particularly for Channel 4 where... If part of your reason for being, particularly for Channel 4 actually, part of your reason for being is to foster the British independent production community and the British independent production community has sort of ceased to be as we know it and is now owned by global giants, US studios, that kind of thing, then there is a slight sort of contradiction for, certainly for C4 and sometimes the BBC about who they're spending their money with, particularly when they're, they're, you know, if they're doing sort of terms of trade style deals, that they are giving that money to Warner Brothers or mm. uh, NBC or, or uh, does it, Discovery. Does, it, does, it, does anybody really care who owns the programme? Well, the viewers don't, no. no. And the, that's, that's the, the important thing. I mean... But you would, if you were Channel 4... And your remit says foster the. Oh yeah, no, no. Channel Four is a different different question. Channel Four has Channel Four buying indies is a, is a weird thing. I mean, personally, I don't see why any TV company needs to buy indies. Indies should be able to survive. But in the real world, the indies can't survive without money. So it, this is a way of keeping young, starving artists in their garrets going. And that's why I don't really care about it. You know, I mean, I you know, as long as indies can survive, whether they're owned by a mega corporation or or the bank have got them in hock. It's more about getting programmes on air. That's the the key thing. The viewers don't care about the business affairs side of it at all. No, the, the, I think that's true. The viewers don't care about it, but there are. I'm pretty confident there are lots of high-powered conversations going on within some of our biggest broadcasters at the moment who are trying to make sense of the massive consolidation in the indie sector and trying to work out what it means for them. 
Fantastic. Okay, well, look, we've moved away slightly from Love Productions, but I'm going to bring it back briefly, uh, and we're going to have a little ponder about Immigration Street. Love has begun filming in the immigration melting pot that is Derby Road in Southampton, as it looks to replicate the success of Benefit Street. Uh, But the controversy has already begun, uh, with a group of residents protesting against the show at a local meeting this week. Uh, This is an, uh, an interesting commission, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, it's really interesting considering it's not what it isn't. It's Benefit Street Two, so yeah. Benefit Street Two is still in the work, as we understand. Well, they haven't actually officially confirmed. They it, haven't. Yeah. They, they've confirmed that there there is a desire to do it. Mm. Um, they haven't confirmed a location. Um, there have been hints that that Love have found somewhere to make that show. I mean, Immigration Street is another a separate series. I mean, it will be it will just be really interesting to see how it how it pans out. What we do know is that immigration is a massively hot topic. We've got a situation where broadcasters, particularly moving into a election year, are fascinated by these kind of political hot potatoes. And why wouldn't Channel Four? want to ask the producers of a massive hit around another hot political hot potato benefits to to to, to look at immigration i think the the battle that love have got at the moment and it seems the one that they're sort of trying to tackle head on is convincing both contributors and perhaps more challengingly sort of local councillors that the job they're going to do is is a fair and uh, an accurate one but that's part of the challenge for them to make those kind of sometimes controversial really high profile shows and there seems to be a bit of an issue over the title which is perhaps uh, the reason behind some of the anger but i think it's a you know benefit street is a brilliant title and to keep that brand going through another iteration seems like the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, this is an entirely predictable controversy. You know, it's an entirely <laughs> predictable commission. Uh, you know, as Chris says, it's it's it makes sense. It's a hot potato. It's a it's a hot show. We can all see the format working with immigrants. You know, it's another way of doing immigration. Blah blah blah. It's a, it's very obvious. You know, it's even more obvious that the Daily Mail suddenly goes mad about it. Mm. So to me, it's like, oh, here we go again. Probably a great show. It's a sexy title. That's that's it, really. But are you, I mean, you're... About you're immigrants baking, isn't it? Is that what the show's about? <laughs> yeah. See, that, that, I would, that, that would have been more watch. interesting. The great, the great immigrant bake-off would have been more interesting. Let's see if a Victoria Sponge can... I'd like some Hungarian pastries of a tall pot. How racist can brands. you be? I think we'll leave it there. Uh, that's your news for this episode. My thanks to Stephen and Chris. Up next, time to slump on the talking TV sofa as we chew over some telly reviews. Our first stop this week is ITV's latest daytime treat, The Speakmans, which sees a husband and wife therapy team attempt to cure some of the great British public's unusual psychological ailments. Produced by ITV Studios, here are The Speakmans getting to grips with Becky, a 26-year-old woman with a damaging fear of vomiting. So when we talked earlier, you referred a lot to panic panic attacks and you've just done it now. Can you have one for me? What, right now? Yeah. I'm trying. You see, I remember you, you said, you said earlier, your words, <clears throat> ten minutes doesn't go by without I don't think about vomiting and therefore I start to panic. Yeah. And I can have a panic attack that can last the bulk of the day. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Well, go on, do your best. <laughs> I can't do it. Stephen, 
What, what were your thoughts on this one? I'm actually having a panic attack right now. What, listening to that clip. And I and I have already contacted the Speakmans to see if they can help me <laughs> with my many phobias. Their two-hour cure. Yes, or exactly. Cure, I mean, yeah. their magic cure. Their <laughs> yeah. sort of, are you really, are you really a, what, a phobe? No. Well, there you go then. Show finishes. It's fantastic telly. It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. It, this is the classic, it's so bad, it's it's good. It looks as cheap as possible. The budget's probably, what, £15,000. It must be cheap to make, though. They're just stationed filmed in about in four room. hours, it looks. You know, you've got a, you've got a half-hour hour tune section where they talk about what how damaging it's been to their life. Then the, the two Speakmans come in. They're, they're, telly, they're telly gold, let's put it that way. And then within a flash of a, a commercial break... Everything's sorted. I can't believe my life's changed. Thanks very much. End of credits. I've watched loads of them already. I've started to watch them on telly. Yeah, I mean, it's been on for a little while, hasn't it's it? It's just, now? this is amazing telly. And this is this is shows you the difference between ITV and BBC. To, to go back to the earlier report, a BBC would never commission something like this, ever, because it feels quite down market. It feels relentlessly northern. You know, the, the the Speakmans are amazing. His hair, for example, should have its He's own award. He's got these award. sort of locks. It's, he? You know, it's, it's like Peter Stringfellow doing psychology. It's an amazing <laughs> show. And ITV are the only channel that could do it. I mean, that is that is ITV taking a risk. You know, they're going for a sort of quite out there, radical kind of situation that the BBC or even Channel 4 wouldn't touch. And yet it works brilliantly. Absolutely brilliant. Chris, you share uh, Stephen's enthusiasm. It's not something I would naturally tune into. I think that's probably fair to say. <laughs> and and the, 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 there are these two, this couple of really sort of oddball therapists and their therapy technique, as Stephen sort of hinted at, appears to be telling people to pull themselves together and get <laughs> a grip. How does that make you feel? How does that make me feel? <laughs> that's, that's, but, the that's all they say. And, and then they present you with boxes full of, oh, yeah. uh, full of various Photographs items in your life. Things, yeah. I mean, it were, it's clever and it's smart and it's slickly produced. Um, slickly produced, I would pull issue on that. It looks as cheap as anything. I just mean that it moves. So oh, it moves. It moves fast. I mean, the voiceover is horrendous. And I mean, it's, it's it just oh, you know, you, the, the problem with me is from a credible point of view, it doesn't look credible. But from a TV entertainment point of view, it's fantastic. You know, this is better than DNA results live on Jeremy Kyle. This is what I was going to say. It your... feels like the antidote to Jeremy Kyle because uh, Jeremy Kyle's all very bawdy and yeah. loud. Jeremy Kyle's get it all out and, and fight each other. This yeah. is. Uh, just ignore it all and pull yourself together and get up and walk out of the house and conquer your fear. I mean, that's the thing. Because it's so radical, the transformations, you can't quite believe those fears are real. And that's the thing that gets me. I mean, you watch it thinking, oh, come on. It but can't be real. It, I mean, it happens so <laughs> quickly. I don't know. I mean, I've One minute she that... can't leave the house, next she's riding around on a horse. I, well, I watched the one where the woman won't go in the sea because she's scared of sharks which she can't even look at a picture of a shark, and she ends up by swimming with sharks. It's an amazing <laughs> transformation. Very dangerous. Um, you know? I think there's something quite interesting happening around sort of, you know, kind of tabloid telly at the moment. Channel 5's doing quite well with this kind of thing as well. So they've got, you know, their benefits, what's it called, Britain on the Dole. It's getting, you know, it's consolidating to three million viewers, this show. Britain is quite a chavvy out there nation. We like this type of stuff. It's not it's not middle class telly this at all, and whenever they do it right, like Jeremy Kyle, like your channel Channel Five, Ben Fryer is a genius at this kind of stuff. It, this is what people want to watch. Channel Four does it. Benefit Street is is a Channel Four mm. version of this, certainly, or Chicken title. Shop or whatever. It's when you do this type of culture, we key into it straight away, you know. And you have to get the balance, the tonal balance, just right, so that you can kind of 
have viewers like me on board, but I don't want to feel like I'm sneering or bit bit snobby. And I think a lot of these shows actually are, are really perfectly pitched in terms of they kind of give you that they give some of their contributors just enough rope. But you, it's never if it when it works well, it what it isn't is sort of mean spirited. And what you wouldn't say about the Speakman is, is it, it's mean spirited no, at all. Not nasty we're not nasty at all. No, they're we really don't aren't. quite believe that they're they're sort of psychic, uh, psychological magical magicians. elves. I think she described elves, the, something, something like that. Like but that. it isn't mean spirited. It's quite it's what quite they fun. what they did do, which I was quite surprised at, is they they moved straight into attacking the parents, <laughs> which I was quite. I mean, I genuinely was surprised when she went. Well, it's it's down to you, mother, and and the mother looked shocked and. That looked real. That definitely looked real. And I was quite surprised by that. I mean, the problem for me is it's it's an hour long, whereas mm-hmm. it could be half an hour. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's a bit like listening to Simon Bates doing an hour long hour tune. It's one of those things which is very naff and cheesy, but it's, you know, it's fun. Big thumbs up from you, Stephen. Uh, if you want to... Uh, see the rest of the series. It continues weekdays at 2pm on ITV. Uh, now for something totally different. We turn to BBC Three's historic twist on award-winning format Our War, which is airing as part of the corporation's first World War centenary commemorations this year. Our World War is a factual drama that draws on the real stories of soldiers fighting 100 years ago and uses visual techniques from modern warfare to immerse viewers in frontline fighting. Here we join the troops mid-battle. Chris, you like this, didn't you? This is brilliant. This is this is brilliant. I mean, what it's really stylized. It sort of takes. I, I could really feel the influence of like computer gaming on this. Lots of the camera shots where you get get a kind of first person perspective, following a guy running around between trenches and stuff like that. Um, it's unusual and innovative. I mean, our war is one of the shining beacons of BBC Three's success, and this is a worthy successor. Stephen, did you? Agree? Yeah, to use the modern parlance, it blew me away, if that's not in bad taste. It started off and I was a bit like, oh, God, here we go, World War One, And then within minutes it was off. And then the tension, and which just ratcheted up, which was incredible. I mean, unbelievable. Very, very powerful TV. And, and Chris is right, that mix of technique uh, and a stylistic technique. At first, the, the bit of sort of music started annoying me. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit, you know, like they're laying on kind of modern tracks and making it feel hip. But of course, that, that sort of faded off quickly. And the, the, the use of things like thermal imaging and stuff like that was yeah. incredible. But just the drama, the sheer drama of it, was it just grabbed you by the throat and took you right to the end. And I was all a bit teary-eyed by the end. And talk about profound and powerful. It was... Um, Incredible. I, I didn't expect to be that moved mm. and that sort of caught up in it. Yeah. So I like the fact that it started at the start of the war 
Because usually with First World War, you're thrown straight into mm. the trenches, aren't you? And you're in the thick of all that trench warfare. So this felt quite fresh in that respect because you're you're seeing the start of all it, of that. Happening. It made sense of the First World War for, for, for the first time that I've seen a programme. I mean, I, I rarely watch militaristic shows because of that thing of, you know, they're always quite history and they're quite and you know what you're going to get or you feel like you know what you're mm. going to get. Whereas this was so long before the battle came. That you were in, you were in, you were in great. That, that culture had become ingrained in you, so you absolutely you got the sense of it. You got the the idea of the professional soldiers on the British side, the conscripts on the German. You got the the the, the idea of the different techniques and the and the fact that the the new invention of the machine gun yeah. was a good thing or was a bad thing or whatever. And it was incredible, incredible telly. I mean, there's two more episodes. It looks like they're going to focus on other issues throughout the First World War, and all based on letters. And, yeah. uh, and real real accounts of what's what happened. So, I mean, I think often viewers are suckers for, for real-life stories, and that's part of the, like I mentioned again, our war, that's part of the, the thing that you get from that, is you know that this is that this is real. I think it ended fantastically, this episode, in that it took you back and it re-emphasised. It would be very easy to, towards the end to think, wow, what a good World War One drama I've been watching. And it's really, really immersive. That's the sort of word that I kept coming back to when I was watching it. I, I sort of felt like it it, it, it pulled you into this, um, to these scenarios and particularly the, the, the battle. But then when it ends and you it gives you a shot of the source material that one of that the letter, one yeah. of the letters that one of the characters in inverted commas because actually you know it's a real person that you've been watching had had written um, and then you heard a bit of voiceover at the end of an interview from That's the 1950s really and you think wow yeah. because what it does is it makes you all those um, feelings that you've had over the last hour, which were, dra- were TV drama feelings mm. really, whether that's tension or anxiety, all of a sudden it. it puts those in a new light and you think wow if i was feeling like that watching it what the hell must it have been like to, i mean that's, to, to, that's, that's the there. thing about war what would you do in a situation could you could you be you know I'm, I'm the sort of person that i'd be shot on the first day by my own side twice to make sure because i'm that sort of unreliable and, and cowardly but um to see that and to see that incredible change at the end uh just amazingly powerful and of course it left me a profoundly moved and be profoundly annoyed that BBC Three is going to get shunted yeah. online. Well, I was going to say, we're talking about BBC Three. I mean, how 3. could this programme be an online programme? It's just, it's just brilliant telly. This is the stuff you wait for all year, this, this, this level of quality, you know, this level of power. And um, for a channel to be able to turn this stuff out quite easily to then be sort of shunted off to the side, you know, it does feel like the BBC is making a kind of military decision that they will be humiliated over years to come, just like the First World War generals. There you go. That's clever analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it makes the case for BBC Three. It also makes the case for in-house, because this is made in-house. And I don't know if many indies could pull this off. Maybe I'm being unfair. But no, no. I mean, it's about budgets. You know, yeah. it's, you know they, they've got the budget to make it. They've got the experience. Anyone can make shows. So it's not a question of BBC in-house is the only bit. But, you know, you need to be able to take risks. And so the development process may have been the... You know, it's all of, it always comes down to money. Always comes down to money. But the fact that they're allowed to make these shows is the point. A BBC Three Online wouldn't risk this kind of budget for something that may or may not get clicks. Whereas BBC Three, as a, as a, as a channel has a duty to do this kind of stuff. You know, this made me experience the First World War in a completely new way. You know, and I'm I'm old enough to remember the First World War. <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? Not quite, Steve. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Almost. It could work on BBC One, this, couldn't it? I was just thinking, yeah. I'll be amazed if this doesn't get a repeat on BBC One or BBC Two. I mean, BBC One, 10.35, you could play this and, uh, you know, it would pick up extra viewers and would would be something very different, particularly when you're, there's a challenge to try and make sure that there's stuff on those channels for everyone, you know. But what this wasn't, this didn't feel like... Um, Let's do the World War One for young people. What it felt like was let's do World War One in a really different, innovative way yeah. and um, using youth TV techniques. Exactly you know, that. that was the thing. It was a, it was a youth TV uh, approach, but it was a it was a, a, a universal story for everybody. That was what was so good about it, and that's what BBC Three does. It does young people's subjects that everyone can watch. That's what's so good about BBC Three. It isn't a niche channel. So well worth watching. Uh, Our World War starts on the 7th of August at 9pm on BBC Three. And we've come to the end of the road this episode. And indeed, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, Talking TV will be taking a small summer vacation. But we'll be back and bursting with life for the Edinburgh Television Festival in August. Uh, If you're going, we'll see you there. All that remains for me to do is to say thanks to our guests, Stephen D. Wright and Chris Curtis, and our mercurial producer, Matt Hill. Thanks to you two for listening. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 